The comments from Dr. Blackwell and Ms. Duff suggest that this patient's course with adjuvant therapy was no walk in the park, and in my meeting with this woman, it was clear that her personal sense of power, along with her hair, were quickly growing back. She started our chat by talking about the diagnosis. In the very beginning, just like everybody, I think I was overwhelmed with what it was. I was always under the assumption that breast cancer was breast cancer, and it was the same for everybody because I didn't know any differently. And so I immediately got on to what used to be my best friend, Dr. Google. And Dr. Google's a very dangerous doctor. (laughs) And trying to find out, you know, as much as I could. And I quickly realized the type of cancer that I had being, you know, the ERPR negative and the HER2 positive was something that I wasn't necessarily going to run into a ton of people who had the same type of cancer because of how prevalent it is. But, you know, it became very clear after my initial conversations with the staff down at Duke that my age, being young, I wanted to do everything I could possibly do to help fight this and kick this as quick as possible. And so it became very clear that the first step would be chemotherapy, which talk about something that scared me completely out of my mind. The first step would be chemotherapy and then hopefully surgery and then radiation and then more Herceptin. And, you know, it was just interesting to think that in a matter of an instant, everything goes from being your life going down one path to all of a sudden the next year to year and half of your life is completely planned away. What is your family situation? I'm married to a gentleman who's 20 years older than I am, and we have a 12-year-old son, and he just recently retired, I guess two months before I found out I had cancer. So wonderful for him that he started retirement and ended up with me back in the house with him. (laughs) But we have a 12-year-old son, and he's very, very active in sports, and I have a great supportive family network. I have six brothers and sisters and a mom and dad. And I couldn't ask for anything better in terms of family. And, you know, through this whole process, one of the things I've realized is how hard it must be for people who don't have a really, really good support structure like I do. I feel very lucky that I have it and I'm thankful for it because I don't know how I would have gotten through it without them. So how was it when you got the first dose of chemotherapy, trastuzumab? So here's the interesting thing is that I went through chemotherapy And I kind of had a plan in my head. And my plan was I was going to make each chemotherapy day a day that was all about me, which knowing my personality is kind of funny because I always try to make everything all about me anyway. But I scheduled a different person to come with me each chemotherapy day so it would be different. And the first treatment went off without a hitch And, you know, I had a great experience. It was a great day. My sister-in-law had came with me and made it just all about being fun and connecting with me and talking. And at the end of the day, I literally walked out of the chemotherapy room and said, I love chemo day. And looking back on that, I find that so humorous, especially after what happened during the second visit. But I tried to focus on the fact that no matter what the drugs were coming into my body, I was going to concentrate on chemotherapy day, on the person who is with me, and getting a deeper connection with them, and really saying the things that I needed to say to them. Now, the second treatment was a whole other ballgame. And during that second treatment, it just really brought home to me how toxic these drugs actually are to my body. So brought reality a little bit closer to home. 
I'm a person who's very goal-oriented. And so I set certain goals. So my first goal was to get to my 40th birthday party and have that be my focus, which was a blast. My second goal is a walk I did in October. My third was a family vacation. And my fourth goal was the actual surgery itself, because I was a much larger breasted woman when this process started. (laughs) So I'm happy about that last goal. But by trying to get to all those goals, I was able to take whatever implications the chemotherapy had on my life and manage them. So I set a goal the day that I started chemotherapy that I was going to walk a mile every single day, regardless of how I felt. And I was able to do it the entire time through chemotherapy, good days, bad days, you name it. And I think that having those goals was really important to me. So on the days when I had the nausea and I felt horrible, I still managed to get out of bed, to get up, to go to the track, to walk and feel like there was something that I was able to control in this whole process. And that feeling of control is, you know, I had heard people talk about it, but didn't really understand it. And I understand it better than I can possibly imagine now. So when I was put into the hospital for being febrile neutropenic and, you know, having low counts, I still put on my mask and I still walk the halls of Duke University and I walk from Duke South to Duke North and walked back and counted my steps and made sure that it was over a mile. And when they put me in isolation, (laughs) the nurses probably thought I was crazy, but they put me in isolation because they were testing me. I had had a skin rash and the dermatology came up and they were testing me, I think, for shingles. They put me in isolation and I moved my bed and I counted the steps. And I can tell you that it's 397 laps around a Duke University hospital (laughs) patient room that equals a mile. But I mean, having that really made me feel like I was more in control of at least how I was going to feel. The drugs were going to make me feel a certain way, but I was going to counteract how I felt by what I could control. And that was an example of one of the things that I could control. I'm curious about your experiences with nurses. As I mentioned before we started speaking, this program is specifically for oncology nurses. What have been your experiences with them, positive and negative, if any? I can honestly say that I had probably my best moments in my cancer course have come from my interactions with very specific nurses. So when I started the process, I was scared to death of chemotherapy. And there was a chemotherapy orientation class. And I went to it one afternoon and was a little bit concerned because I was the only person sitting in the room. Come to find out that was probably the best thing that ever happened from a standpoint of the nurse who came in, the oncology nurse who came in, was able to really just answer my questions one-on-one very much understood the idea of creating a personal connection. I told her that I was really interested. I was a visual person and I needed to see the room. I needed to see what was getting ready to happen. She took me on a tour and just introduced me to everybody, made it very, very lighthearted so that it didn't have this aura of scariness that was in my head. And, you know, it was great then the first day of chemo being able to walk into that room. And although she wasn't my nurse that day, to be able to say, hey, Helen, good seeing you. And, you know, she popped in to see how it was going during the day. And that really made a huge difference. What's been going on with your son? What kinds of discussions have you had with him about what's going on? 
telling a 12-year-old that you have cancer is a little bit like feeling like you've just hit him over the head with a frying pan. I felt like you take away that piece of innocence that nothing can ever go wrong in the world to me. It might happen to other people, but not to me and definitely not to my mommy. And he is at an interesting age. We've talked about the fact that sometimes we don't know what is going to be more difficult, getting through cancer or getting through middle school. (laughs) (laughs) So we've had a lot of conversations, but I think one of the key things is I have always, as his mother, tried to really be in tune with him as a processor. And he needs to process through everything in a way that I can't control and I can't force. And this cancer experience has been a really good example of giving him the space to process through it. He told us from the very beginning that he really only wanted to know about the big things and that he couldn't talk about it all the time because if he talked about it all the time, he'd get sad. And so he needed that space to have things be normal, but to still be included in what he called the big things. So that's all we really did. We included him in the big things. We made him aware of what was happening. And literally, I was diagnosed in June, and this is April. In April of this year, he went to my Herceptin treatment as my quote-unquote chemo buddy. And it was the point where he asked and said, Mom, you've taken everybody else. I'd really like to go. And we felt good about that because I don't think he would have been able to handle the first ones nearly as well as he handled this one. And he wasn't ready to. He wasn't ready to go until he asked to go. So, But, I mean, in terms of the conversations, there have been moments that I have been so incredibly proud of the young man that he's become through it. And I'm kind of dying to see what this experience does for him in terms of how he becomes a man and what he does as a man because of it, whether it's his relations with women or being more compassionate or more empathetic. I think all of those are good qualities that can come out of a really, really tough situation. Any questions that he asked you that were particularly memorable? or Are you going to die? I mean, that's a question that when your son asks you, mommy, are you going to die? And literally, I just found out the night before we told him, that's a tough question to answer because you don't really feel like you know the answer in that moment. And you don't want to lie to your child, but you don't want to scare them to the point where they can't process, they can't shut down. That was probably the hardest question that he ever asked me. And I told him, I said, Jake, I don't know what's going to happen, but I will tell you this. I know that I'm going to fight. You don't have to worry. I'm going to fight. And I need both you and your father to help me. We're a team. And we're a very athletic family to begin with. I used to coach sports and things like that. So I said, you know, we're a team, Jake. And you're part of this team. And I'm going to need you to do your part just like you do on your basketball team. And I think that helped him realize that we had at least the ability to go after this. And everything we did after that was a matter of this is our opportunity to fight. You talked about the people that you brought to the chemo treatment. You mentioned several of them. Anything else you want to relate about that experience with the various people? You mentioned that there were certain things that you were saying to people. Any sort of highlights stick out in terms of the people you brought with you? I brought a different person with me every single time. 
partly because I knew that it would allow me to enjoy each day more, and I didn't want to feel like a burden on one particular person. And I knew that my husband needed to experience it to see what it was like, but I knew that it wasn't designed to be about him being there every time, and I didn't want to put that burden on him either and didn't really want to put the burden on anybody. I went with family members, my sister-in-law, my mother, my sister, my brother, my husband, my best friend. And I talk to my best friend sometimes about how I can talk about cancer with a lot of different people, but there are a certain group of people that are my inner circle. And they kind of are the people who I'm going to let my guard down with how I feel, with how badly I feel. And it was easy for me to have them there and enjoy the day and talk about whatever we needed to talk about. So each person was really differently. My sister-in-law was my first person, and she is artistic and creative and fun, and she made the whole day so exciting. She came with bags full of stuff for us to do that we would never get through. But her purpose was really served in terms of she made it not scary. My brother Jason, when he went with me, it was clear that I was supposed to see this passionate, calm presence that he has that I had never seen before because he was there the day that I had the reaction. I went with my mom and my mom and I answered 10 questions with each other. Questions like, why did you fall in love with my father? And if you could do anything over again as a mother, what would it be? And conversations that because you have a segmented block of time, in my case, it was close to six hours, a segmented block of time with somebody with no interruptions and no distractions, we were just really able to talk about whatever it was the two people needed to talk about, whether it was deep, whether it was lighthearted, whether it was my sister in a fight with her boyfriend, whatever it was, I had that uninterrupted time. And time is such an amazingly precious thing these days that I hadn't been giving these people the time that I now will. How has this experience affected the way you see your own life? Mm. You're getting deep on me, Dr. Love. <laughs> <laughs> Only way to go. <sighs> How has it affected my whole life? I look at my life with a clear question of who am I really supposed to be? What am I really supposed to do? And right now, going through through chemo, having surgery, being through radiation, and kind of starting this last process with the Herceptin, I have a lot of questions about, am I really still happy doing what I'm doing? Should I be doing something else? Should I be doing more for the cancer community? I have a lot of gifts, and I just am questioning, am I using them in the right way? And even with those questions... The one thing that I've realized through all this is how important my family is and to keep them as a top priority. You know, I was a person who I was working 60 hours a week. I was a busy woman and my priorities are very, very different now in terms of the time I give to my family and my husband and even the perspective that I put work in. And in trying to put work into a better perspective, I think I've come up with the question of, this isn't really where I get my value. And so how can I have work be more aligned with causing a greater change that I'm passionate about? 